All right, good morning again, church. Man, what a joy to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, this morning, if, if you, I don't know if you use a device or if you bring your, your, your Bible, whatever it is, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to invite you to go to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be there uh, in just a few moments after a few opening remarks. But we're going to be landing in Ephesians chapter 3, so be prepared. Uh, we want to hear God's Word today. Amen? And so uh, this morning, uh, I, I, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was thinking about uh, how important, and I know, I know the church is, uh, Fishers and Men is, is in a new season. You guys are uh, doing some planning and all that kind of stuff for the next haul, for the ne- whatever God has for you next. And as, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about how important it is to have a skill of reinventing yourself, okay? And... Uh, I was thinking about this in the context that, I don't know if you guys know, but 20 years ago, I was ordained in this church. Yeah, amen? Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, 20 years ago, I was ordained in this church, and, uh, but wouldn't it be sad if I was the same pastor I was 20 years ago today? It's, yeah. <laughs> no? Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But uh, I would be disappointed in myself if I wasn't, hadn't reinvented myself over the years. By God's grace, uh, through, uh, I remember starting here was just uh, uh, the one thing that I took away uh, after coming out of seminary was just the passion uh, that this congregation had for the lost. And so I... As I moved on in my career, I, I took that with me, okay? And along the way, I have taken many and various experiences uh, to, with me along the way in, in the process of reinventing myself as a pastor. Because when you reinvent yourself, there's vitality, there's joy, even in the struggle. I was thinking about this, and I see that there's many married couples here this morning. Uh, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Joy, uh, who uh, still forgives me when I tell her the wrong time worship starts. And uh, sorry, Joy, she's right over there. Uh, I told her 10, but it was 9.30. So, uh, but you got here in time for the sermon, babe. That's what counts. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, you know, we've been married over 25 years. And wouldn't it be a shame if, if Joy and I were the same that we were 25 years ago? The reality is the vitality of our marriage would not be what it is if it wasn't taking time and learning from each other and from experiences to reinvent ourselves. So over the years, we've reinvented our marriage. But what's true about my calling as a pastor and my calling as a husband, the one thing that doesn't change over the years is the calling. The calling to be on mission, to be a pastor, to be a shepherd. That hasn't changed, right? I've reinvented myself over and over again, but what has not changed is my calling. My wife and I have reinvented ourselves over and over and over, but what has not changed is our calling to be husband and wife to one another for a lifetime. That hasn't changed. And as I think about the church, And I think about this season that 
fishers of men is, is walking through together, you think it's time after 25 years? I think I was here like two years ago for the 25th anniversary. Is that right? I think it was, yeah. I don't know if it was 20 or 25, but I know it was a lot of years. And, and isn't it time for maybe fishers of men to take a look at its core values, take a look at its mission, take a look at everything that makes this congregation unique, because every congregation is unique. And to reassess your gifts, to reassess your calling as a church. Now, what will remain is your calling as a church. What might need to change is how you reinvent yourself as a church for your community. Because I'll tell you, this community is not the same as it was 20 years ago. This, by the way, this church is not the same. This building wasn't even here. I don't even think this building was a dream at that point. But as the congregation has reinvented itself over the years, it's made improvements like this. It's made more room for more people because we're living, because what has not changed is our mission, to reach people with the grace of God and through the gospel. And so today, what I want to do is I want to lay, I just want to go to a, an example of what that looks like to encourage you as you go into this next season as a body of Christ. And again, this is, uh, Paul wrote this special letter. It's interesting, this letter from Ephesians was not written out of controversy or because the congregation had a problem. Now, congregations have all kinds of problems, don't we? All right? But Paul, when he wrote this to Ephesus, it was to encourage them in the work that they were doing to encourage them to continue to do the work that they had been called to together in that gathering, in that context, in that place. Because our calling as a church doesn't change. But the way we implement and the way we do our ministry at times in our history needs to change. And so what I wanted to do this morning is, is revisit Paul's letter to Ephesus and remind ourselves of this need to contextualize our ministry while remaining solid in the call of the church. Those who are gathered and have been gathered by the grace of God. And so this morning we want to start uh, at the beginning of the, of the letter. It's important for us to understand the, the, the main purpose of this letter, and, and, I, and I think it can be summarized in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says, for, by, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay? Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the banner that we raise. This is the central truth that is the cornerstone of what we preach and believe as an organization, as a church, as a living and breathing organism. This is the gospel. And the gospel is very clear. It is by God's grace his undeserved love that he has rescued us, saved us from a future without God. 
from a future with Jesus at the end, not knowing our name. But God has saved us. And then it says here in the, in the text, it says, and it's by faith. It's by trusting in this simple truth, by believing it, that it's true for me as it's true for you. And this is not of yourselves. It's, it's, it's a gift of God. None of us can say that we earned this salvation. We earned the right to live with God today and forever. It is a gift to us, not by works. There's nothing you can bring to the table to earn God's grace, his favor. It's not by works. So therefore, we look around the room, and even the guy wearing the white robe can't boast. I'm dependent just as much as you are on the work of Christ to secure my today and my tomorrow. And so here's the principle that we can draw from this. The gospel message, according to Paul, is by grace through faith, not by works, but a gift from God so that no one can boast. This is the cornerstone. This is the life that we breathe into the community. This is the mission that we're on. It hasn't changed since Ephesus and even to today. The sole purpose for the church to exist is to let this truth be known. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 3, 6, Paul talks about a mystery. A mystery. The church and what we do is a mystery. It was something that was left unknown in the past but then was revealed to the church in Ephesus and is being revealed today. This mystery is that through the gospel, through this message, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, shares, shares together in the promise in Jesus Christ. Here's the mystery, that God has brought all people together, both Gentiles, those who were outside of the faith, He's brought alongside those who had a quote-unquote birthright in the faith. And he's brought us, here's the mystery, he's brought us all together, both Gentiles and those of the heirs of Israel, to become one body and sharers together in the promise of Jesus Christ. And so here's the principle we must draw for the church. The mystery of Christ's administrative plan is together in the church, we are fellow heirs, one body, and partakers in the promise of God. When we think about being an heir, <laughs> that's a beautiful thing. That means that we have something waiting for us. God and Jesus Christ has made a deposit of faith by his Holy Spirit into our being. And that is the inheritance that we will draw from when Jesus returns. But this is the mystery. The mystery is that the church is to administer this. The church is the, God's administrative plan. Administrative plan to see the gospel proclaimed throughout the world and in this community.
He wants to use each and every one of you sitting in the seats. Each one of your gifts belong to each other. Each one of your gifts belong to this community. And God wants to use all your individual gifts to administrate this one plan that all will become one body and partakers of the promise of the gospel. In Ephesians chapter 3, 10 and 11 says, His intent, God's intent, like the commander's intent, His intent was that now through the church, through fishers of men, through the church, this manifold wisdom of God should be made known to all the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that is accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. That God in Christ has ordained that he would use the church to administer the gospel. And not only, this is really kind of a, a really kind of a level three thinking here. Not only is he asking us to administer the gospel to the people that we can see. But as we gather here this morning, as we sing, as we praise, we are actually preaching the gospel in the heavenly realms, in the things that we cannot see. Did you know there's a battle going on where we cannot see? In the heavenly places? Paul uses this statement over and over and over in Ephesians because there's a, there's a spiritual warfare that's going on. We cannot see it. But he's saying as the church administers the gospel in their community, not only are we administering the gospel to the people we can see and know, but even into the heavenly realms. Big mystery, isn't it? But it says here that it's his intent it's God's intent to use the church. And in verse Ephesians chapter 3, 12, it says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. See, this is what the world is yearning for. They're captive. They're captive to sin. They're captive to uncertainty. They're captive by the sin that they sin against themselves and the sin that they sin against others, they're captive. And Jesus in Christ brings freedom. He brings freedom. He brings a way for us to be right with God, to be right with him through confession, through absolution, through the administering of God's word and sacrament. God is at work today. And he's using his church to administrate his plan and his intent in this world. So the principle we can draw from this is God's intent is that together the church would administer all wisdom. And this wisdom is the gospel so that the whole world can approach God in faith. This is God's intent in Christ. And then to wrap it up. Paul has a prayer. Paul prays for his church. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as you're going through this process of reinventing yourselves, I implore you, if you have not done already, I implore you 
to pray daily for your pastor, to pray daily for the administration, to pray daily for your lay ministers, to pray daily for the leadership here, to pray daily for the preschool, to pray daily for this church. You're, the world, this community is counting on you on reinventing yourself and me re- remaining relevant in this community. But it needs your prayers. I firmly believe this. Nothing, movement does not happen in the church. Movement does not happen in the community. Movement does not happen in the city without prayer. Paul knew that. And so Paul ends this section with a prayer. So I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you, the church, through the power of his Holy Spirit, this, this gift that God has given us in your inner being somewhere in here so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this word dwell means to take residence. You know, my wife and I are empty nesters now, praise the Lord. Well, I, I, I say that back. We still have eight months. Got to get my daughter out the door to college. But we got room at our house now. We repurposed two bedrooms already. We didn't even tell the boys. We got room. And so if you need a place to stay, come dwell at our house. We got room for four, by the way. And an air mattress, that's six. The Holy Spirit wants to come take residence right here. He wants to be near to us. He wants to be near to the dinner table. The Holy Spirit wants to be near right now. And it's through the nearest, nearness of the Holy Spirit that God gives us power. When's the last time you heard power? I love that word, power. Children, you know what the word power means? It's dynamite. Dynamite. When did you guys last hear the word dynamite? I know there's people my age that would get that joke. Dynamite. He's given us dynamite. He says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God has given two gifts to the church that we can see here. And these are the things that Paul prays for the church. These are the things that we should pray for one another. Two gifts, the, the two gifts Father, the Father gives To his family is faith and love by the Spirit through prayer. He gives us two gifts. He gives us dynamite. Faith in the risen Lord. That's why we said earlier, he reigns, doesn't he? Jesus is not dead. He is seated at the right throne awaiting the time that the Father has appointed for him to return. But until then, he's showing us grace giving us time to save one more person through the power of love and the power of faith, our own personal testimonies, 
our own personal love that we first know in Christ. When we look to the cross, we see the power, the almighty power of God to rescue us from our sin on the cross and then to rise again on the third day to give us hope. Hope. The church has hope. And so he ends it this way. And now to him who is able, that is God, to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Here's the thing. God has given us the power of love and faith, but that's not it. Immeasurably more than we can what? Ask or imagine according to his dynamite, his power that is at work within us. To him be glory to the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, including this generation. We cannot afford to sit out the game. God has promised us in Christ that if we give ourselves to this work, we give ourselves to this mission, we give ourselves to this calling, if we do that, he will give us the power to love, the power to remain in faith, and give us immeasurably more than we can even imagine. Anybody want that? I tell you what, I want immeasurably more than I can imagine. And he can do it. And he wants to do it. He wants to do it here. And so the final principle we can draw is even then God promises to give the church immeasurably more for this generation. And listen, forevermore. You see the kids? They're their future hope. Don't forget that. They're the future hope. That's why we have children's messages. We got to start now. They're the future hope. God wants to do this forever more. He's not done with us yet, brothers and sisters. Awaken, as the text told us this morning. Awaken. Do not be found asleep. Do not be the virgin who didn't have enough oil. Be filled now with the Holy Spirit, his power and love. For today's the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. The Lord loves you. We love you here at Fishers of Men. Thank you for being here this morning. Let us pray. Father, we glorify your name. Lord, we give you the, do, the, the honor to do your name this morning, oh God. And Lord, we bless your name. There's no God greater to serve in this, in this time and in this age. And Father God, I pray that you would use our church, Lord, to, Lord God, to, to live its mission out. But Lord, we need you to show the way. And so Father, I pray for Pastor Braun, the leadership here, the preschool, and many others, Lord. I pray, oh God, that they would listen boldly that they would pray intently, that they would believe in love with the divine power that you've promised them by your Holy Spirit. Lord, give them dynamite. 
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.